0: You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Good evening and welcome to our Jewish Matters podcast. Tonight we're starting a new series, which is Jewish Wisdom for Life, Perke Avot. And I also wanted to let you all know that we are on the Feedspot Top 50 Jewish Podcasts. So giving a shout out to them, check it out. Top 50 Jewish podcast on FeedSpot. So to our Jewish wisdom tonight, uh, this time of year between Passover and the holiday of Shavuot is a time where it's accustomed to study a work called Perke Avot, The Ethics of the Fathers. And it's actually the only part of the Talmud that's focused exclusively on ethics, personal growth, and uh, spirituality. And so it's a very important work and can do a lot to enrich our lives. And way before the whole self-help and personal growth movement blew up in the end of the 20th century, Jews have been doing wisdom for growth and for life for thousands of years. So we have the opportunity to tap into that uh, repository of knowledge and wisdom. And it's very powerful, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So uh, it's from the Mishnah. I said that it's part of the Talmud. So the Talmud is the oral law. The Mishnah is the core of the Talmud, and it focuses on uh, interpersonal relationships. It's in the section of uh, damages, which is mostly law. But here we're going to have interpersonal relationships in terms of ethics, and we're going to pick out the ones that we find are most interesting and most relevant. And uh, let's jump right in. So. The first Mishnah is introductory. It tells us that Moses received the Torah at Mount Sinai, handed it to Joshua, who handed it to the elders, who gave it to the prophets, and the prophets to the men of the great assembly. Why does it start like this? Because this isn't the written Torah, which was uh, started with the Ten Commandments of Mount Sinai. This is the oral Torah, and what it's telling us is that a very interesting thing? You might think that interpersonal ethics: don't do unto others that which you wouldn't have unto others do to you. Um, how to get along with people, have, being in a path of peacefulness. You might think all of these things are intuitive, and therefore that we don't need to draw from the Torah. It's part of general wisdom. And what's saying is that even interpersonal relationships, for example, um, Lushan, the out of Lushan harav, not speaking gossip. In general society, it's it's, it's accepted, people gossip, yet Judaism sensitizes us to how damaging it is. So what it's saying is that even in the area of ethics, common sense, general wisdom cannot go far enough. And the Torah is giving us insights that we might not otherwise have. So that's one of the points of this. It's also reinforcing the idea that we do have this oral tradition that has been handed down from master to disciple through thousands of years. And our teachings are going to talk a lot about having a teacher, having a master, and how to be a good uh, disciple in order to learn. So it's part of the theme as well. So the first teaching says, the men of the great assembly taught three things. And these three things are going to be really an introduction of how we're supposed to do our own learning as well. Each of these teachings can be understood on many levels. Uh, And this was also considered to have been a guidebook for judges and teachers. So we're going to see a lot of teachings centering around that. But it says these three things. Be deliberate in judgment. Raise many students. And make a fence around the Torah. Let's look at these three. So be deliberate in judgment. So as we jump into the area of interpersonal relationships, uh, ethics, evaluating our lives, we're going to make a lot of judgments. And it's easy to be flippant. It's easy to go on first impressions. It's easy to say, oh, I know that already. So it's telling us, be deliberate. Stop, give it some deeper insight. Be open to hearing something new. Don't just come with our own preconceived notions. Raise many students. There's a principle in Jewish learning that if you learn something, really it's not all learning, if you learn something in order to teach it, you'll learn it better. And if you're able to teach it, you'll have assimilated it much better. So have that clarity that you can teach it. And there's also an idea that in Torah, there is a responsibility to teach it to others, to share it. In fact, the mitzvah, the commandment of Torah study, is formulated in the Torah around teaching our children. So teaching is a fundamental part of learning in Judaism as well. And the third part, make a fence around the Torah, is telling us in terms of our learning this uh, tractate, this uh, body of knowledge, the ethics of the fathers, or really any learning, try and make a fence around it, meaning keep it, uh, safeguard it, remember it, apply it, and use it. So that's our first teaching. As we're going to see, uh, the standard formula is that it comes in statement three-part statements. And we're going to ask ourselves, why are these three statements put together in the same teaching? And here, I think we can say that it's a preface to how we're going to do our learning. It's a pedagogical tools that they're giving us in the first Mishnah. Okay, let's move on to number two. So number two is uh, the next generation. So we're gonna have many teachings in the names of many rabbis. And the understanding is that each one of them lived in a different generation. And so it's also telling us something else that while we believe Torah learning is eternal, But each generation needs certain things emphasized. And that's why we have our own teachers for our generations, which we're going to see where we're told is very key. Okay. Shimon the righteous, who is also the high priest. He was a leader of the generation, right when the Jews came, uh, were in, in the beginning of the second temple period. And he used to say, the world stands upon three things, Torah, Service and good deeds. So let's look at each of these. What is Torah? That's the study of Torah, Jewish knowledge and wisdom. Uh, service is prayer and spiritual focus. And uh, good deeds is action, is doing good, uh, being a giving person. And each of these three corresponds to three parts of the person. You could say that Torah is the intellectual part, Avoda service is the spirit, the soul, and Gemil Chasadim is action. And so we need all three. We need the head, the heart, and the action carried out. And also the idea that Judaism very much believes in positive psychology. It all starts with getting the right thoughts, then that flows into our heart, and then we follow through with concrete action. Thoughts and intentions are not enough in Judaism, we're very practical, I wanna take it from there. So, and within us, and you'll see that, you know, if you think about it, many people have different things they're good at. Some people are more and different paths through which they connect to the Almighty. So some people are more intellectual. So Torah study is what gives them their connection to God. Some people are more spiritual, if you will, into prayer, meditation, experiential. And some people are doers. And by, doing, by being a giving person, they're emulating the Almighty through that. So three paths to serving God, three paths to actualizing ourselves and to recognize our strengths. And also to fill in for our weaknesses. We should have all three of these, but also build on the one that we are strong at. Okay. The next teaching was Antigonos from Soho. Interesting that you have Greek names which appear in our teach with from in the names of our teachers. And he received the tradition from Shimon Hatzadik, from Simon the righteous, who we just saw. He used to say, do not be like a servant who serves his master to expect reward. But be like the servant who serves without the expectation for reward and let the fear of heaven be upon you. Okay, very strange. First of all, what is he saying overall? He's saying that our actions should be done for the sake of doing good, really. What we call in Hebrew, lishma, for the sake of heaven, for the sake of God's name. And uh, we also should try and kind of look at our motivations, at our intentions, and why we're doing something. And some people uh, are motivated to do good, but might be coming from a place of, I want to look good for others. It might be coming from a place of, well, I can get something out of this if I give this donation. Lots of different mixed motivations. So the most glaring question is here, why does it ask it in the negative? Don't be like someone who serves for reward. Why is it in the, the negative? Because if it just said, act for the right intentions, then I, it wouldn't get us as much to examine, am I a person who does things not f- for reward? So by stating the negative, it's getting us to look at it and think about it and perhaps identify it so we can move beyond it. And then when it states the positive, be like the servant who serves the master without expecting reward. So it again brings this in, in a negative. Don't expect reward, meaning do it just for its own sake. But it's again cautioning us. And then the third part of the teaching, and let the fear of heaven be upon you. Now, uh, a note about the Jewish concept of fear of heaven. Uh, Fear is a... Not a, not a popular word, right? Um, and there are two types of fear. There's lower type of fear and there's higher fear. The lower fear is, quite frankly, fear of punishment. And in any moral system, there has to be a bottom line and consequences because people have to know that uh, I can't cross that bottom line. But there's a higher fear, so to speak, which is the idea of awe of God. And we, if we have a certain God consciousness then we'll be able to be motivated to do our actions for the right reasons and for the right motivations. So that's why the third part is, if we're connected to God, if we have reverence, then our actions will be, uh, the intentions for why we're doing things will be connected to that sense of higher being. And so that's our three-part teaching. Okay. Okay number four. As you can see, we're moving through them. I invite you to go on website, Google, Ethics of the Fathers. You'll find the text so you can follow along. The fourth one, Yossi ben Yoazar of Tzreda and Yochanan of Jerusalem. There were. This is the period of the Zugot, the partners. The leaders of the generation were partners in these periods. And um, he used to say, Yossi ben Yoazar used to say, let your house be a house of meeting for the sages and sit in the dust of their feet and drink their words with thirst. So this is again about learning, more pedagogical tools. Let your house be a house of meeting for sages. It's saying hang around with wise people, right? And even better, bring them into your home. Make your home a place that promotes this. And it could be them, it could be their words. Over the dinner table, share uh, some wisdom. Share a Torah insight. You know, they say that um, regular people speak about things, lower people speak about people, because it too often leads to gossip, and higher people speak about ideals. So share ideas and ideals. Uh, Make your house a meeting place for the sages and sit in the dust of their feet. Jewish tradition, according to, uh, in order to be able to learn, we need the vital element of humility, the vital character trait. Because if we don't have humility, we won't be open to listening to someone else's opinion, to someone else's teaching, to something that has the potential to impact and transform us. If we're smug in our feeling, I know it all, we won't get anywhere in terms of our learning. So sit at the, the dust of their feet, very uh, dramatic imagery, but it applies to be humble. Although in, uh, in traditional Jewish society, that's what they would do. The masters would stand and the students would be sitting. So, uh, and drink their words with thirst. In order to learn, you have to be passionate. You have to desire the wisdom. You have to really want it. And if you do, then you'll absorb it and then it'll impact us and change us. So that's number four. Moving on to number five. uh, Yossi ben Yochanan, the man of Jerusalem used to say, Uh, Let your house be wide open and let the poor members of your household gather there. So this is kind of an addendum to the previous one. Let your house be a place for wise people to meet. Let your house be a place that does charity and good deeds. Interesting that it puts wisdom before charity. Does that make sense? Do you promote wisdom before feeding hungry people? We can debate that one later. Okay, Uh, number six. Joshua of Prachya and Nitai the Arbalite, two more partners here, they received the old tradition from the previous generation. And they said, this is a great teaching, appoint for yourself a teacher, acquire a friend, and judge all people favorably. Now what jumps out about it to, at us is the contrast between the expressions used. Acquire for yourself a friend does that mean you uh, you buy friendship but get for yourself a teacher what's the difference so the idea is this the relationship of student to teacher is really a hierarchical right but it's also more one way the teacher gives the student receives and my experience has been whenever I needed advice or if I Uh, heard someone speak, and they're a particularly wise person, I might follow up and reach out to them, or might ask for advice. And whenever I have, they've always been Torah teachers have always been receptive, always given me the time. And that taught me to give others the time. So acquire for uh, make for yourself a teacher, you don't have to acquire a teacher. Torah teaching is there because when you have Torah, you're responsible to teach it. So But make yourself a teacher means you have to be open to having a teacher and to having a master and to listening to their direction and to accepting their teachings and molding ourselves to them. But acquire a friend. Friendships usually have to be two-way streets. Friendships have to go in both directions. And if you've ever had a friend who you're the one who always calls, you're the one who always proposes making plans, you're the one who always pays. Um, those friendships probably will not last that long. So um, so the friendship has to be acquired and both sides have to do the acquiring of the friendship. In other words, you both have to give and it should be equally. And judge all people favorably. What does it have to do with acquiring, with getting, making a teacher and acquiring a friend? Because when you choose your teachers and your friends, you're going to be, making a judgment on people. This person I want to hear from, this person I don't. I want this person to be my friend. And that's okay. We're allowed to do that. We're supposed to, but don't be overly judgmental. Don't dismiss people who aren't your friends, who you've not chosen, or who didn't feel like should necessarily be my teacher. Say they weren't right for me, not, oh, they weren't a good teacher. And the idea of judging favorably extends even beyond that. Because in the Torah, there's an idea that if someone says something to us, and we're not sure, was that a snide remark? Were they being sarcastic? Always judge favorably. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Because more often than not, it wasn't something malicious or something snide being said. And if it was, you know what? It's not worth the uh, the emotional energy to react to it. So let it just bounce off you. And if you do, very often people like that won't do it again. They're trying to get a reaction out of you. So if you judge them favorably and don't say, you know, oh, same to you or, you know, uh, who are you snickering at or whatever s- s- little snippet you throw back at them. I'm never good at that. Anyway, so just don't and let it slide. But do be discriminatory about who we choose for our teachers and our friends uh, because who we associate with will have an impact upon who we are. And that's the next teaching. Nitzai the Arbolite, the other partner said, keep a distance from an evil neighbor, do not become attached to the wicked and do not abandon faith in retribution. Well, that last one is pretty heavy. Um, stay away from bad people, our friends, our peers, who we're around influences us. And if we see people are, you know, this person is always putting other people down. Uh, this person isn't a nice person, but, oh, maybe, you know, they'll give me a job lead or maybe people think I'm cool. If I hang around them, don't, it's not good. It's not good for our souls and don't become Uh, It says, distance yourself from an evil neighbor and don't become attached to a bad person. Why the two? Isn't it saying the same thing? So this is the point. That distance yourself from an evil neighbor. Sometimes we just hang around with people because it's convenient. They're near. So if you have a neighbor, someone closes like that, go out of your way to keep some distance. but. All the more so, someone who's not the right person, uh, not a good person, we shouldn't uh, make efforts to connect with them, uh, that's for sure. And do not uh, give up hope in judgment, in justice, is saying that, you know, sometimes we feel like there are bad people out there, and we can't let them get away with it. And what it's saying is, you know what, God will take care of them. Don't get embroiled in difficult people's stuff. Don't get embroiled in dishonest people's stuff. Better to walk away from it. And we believe that the Almighty will take care of them in his way. And so um, that's the best attitude to have. Just stay away. And don't think you have to uh, solve all the ills of the world. Okay. Shammai and Abtalion received the tradition from um, Shemayin. Italian were uh, righteous converts to Judaism, and they became the leaders of the generation. He used to say, love work, hate uh, uh, having a position of power, and do not get close to the government. So this is about social status. This is about power. And it's saying, don't look to be in positions of power. Why? I guess power corrupts, Um, power is a big responsibility and sometimes one we don't handle right. And uh, often people who are looking to get into those positions are not always the best people to compete against. So it's not a good arena to be in. And that's why it says, don't draw near the government don't get involved in these things because often uh, there's stuff going on that you don't want to know about and don't want to get involved in. So what do you do instead? Love work, do your own thing, uh, have a livelihood, and that's enough. Now, if we're just doing it for the right reasons and there's a uh, higher godly charitable cause that is important, then sometimes we do have to get involved with the authorities or with government, but otherwise one should stay away from it, okay? Hillel and Shammai received the Torah and Hillel and Shammai were very famous because many of the debates in the Talmud are between Hillel and Shammai and the halacha follows Hillel, They were the main teachers of the Masarah of the received tradition. And Hillel used to say, this is a beautiful teaching. Be from the disciples of Aaron, loving peace and pursuing peace, loving mankind and drawing them close to Torah. So what's the difference between loving peace and pursuing peace? By the way, pursuing peace is Rodef Shalom. Favorite name for synagogues. What's the difference? So I love peace. Everyone loves peace. You know, you have in your heart, you're cardiac Jew, but you have to pursue peace. So it said, what would Aaron do? If two people had a falling out, he would go to one of them and say, you know, Joe's really sorry, but he's too embarrassed to go apologize to you or to reach out to you. So why don't you go take the first step? And then he would go to Sam and say to Sam, you know, uh, uh that, sorry that was to, to Sam to Joe he'd go and say you know Sam is really sorry about what he did and he's too embarrassed to take the first step why don't you reach out to him and the two would reach out to each other and that's how what, they would resolve it the Talmud learns from there that you're even allowed to uh, bend the truth in order to bring peace between two people so be proactive about repairing breaches between people. Loving mankind, and this is key Jewish teaching. Uh, There's much discussion about Jewish parochialism and, and isolationism versus Jewish universalism. It's very clear here. It says love all people, all of mankind. Every human being is created in the image of God. And a person who is a loving, peaceful person Will get along with everyone. And it says, and drawing them close to Torah. So, the greatest way that you can bring peace between people and show you love peace and love people is by sharing your Torah with them, by sharing teachings with them, by bringing them close to the Almighty. And that's what Abraham did, Abraham and Sarah, the first two Jews, the original Hebrews, and that is our tradition. And Aaron, it says, was the most beloved leader of the Jewish people. When he died, it said people cried for 30 days. Doesn't say that about Moshe, even though Moshe, was the, his brother, was the greatest teacher. But there was a special quality to Aaron, that he was beloved by the people. And we should strive to be beloved by people as well. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, the custom is to study one chapter a week between uh Passover and Shabbat, we're a little behind already, but we're going to go at our own pace. We've gotten up to number 12 in the first chapter, and we'll pick up there next time. Have a good night, everyone, and uh, Shabbat Shalom.